Hello, folks. Welcome back. Another fun podcast episode coming your way today. This is another one of our episodes that's previewing some of our amazing speakers that are going to be coming up uh, at UXRConf coming up at the beginning of June, which I hope you're going to hope we're going to see you there. Today, we're talking to someone and this talk that this individual has proposed is very near and dear to my heart, and I'm so glad she's giving it. So I'm really excited to get to know her a little bit with you today. Her name is Claudia Natasha, and she's director of UX research at a startup called HighSpot. So Claudia, welcome. Uh, It's great to have you. Thanks, Alec. It's great to be here. Before we get into any of your proposed talk stuff, because I'm really excited to talk about it and I can't, I know we can't give away too much, that that would not be good. But I think it's it's incumbent upon us to kind of learn a little bit about your journey because your talk proposal has to do with measuring impact. We'll get more into that later. But you have an interesting journey into research as so many people do, and I'd love to hear a little bit about it. All right. So my journey actually started when I was growing up in Indonesia. My parents worked in banking and would always bring me to meetings in the banks. And whenever I listen to them talk about investments, that's always something that's interesting to me. So I actually started my career in investments for a little bit and realized that even though I love the world of investments, one thing that was most interesting to me is actually talking to clients and learning about their backgrounds and their stories. And that brought me to transition into research. But at the same time, as I grew in my research career and started advocating for the value of research, I realized that one thing that is missing is in in the language of researchers is the idea of measuring our impact the same way we would measure the impact of financial investments. Very interesting. Okay, so let's get right into it. For a lot of researchers, this is going to be very foreign to them. Not a lot of people are reading, you know, annual reports. Not a lot of folks are, you know, listening, going to talks to hear bankers speaking. That's kind of not really the vibe so much. But there's probably a lot we can learn from being better at that. So why don't why don't we kind of start with um, tell me a little bit about like the most basic thing you think we should start to understand in terms of like this whole world of finance and investment. So one really important thing that we should all understand is the value that we see in the market. So every morning if we open our stock portfolio and look at the price of the stock that particular day, that price is rarely reflective of the actual value of the company. The actual value of the company is usually called the book value, and that's usually much less than what the market values. And so there's this room for uncertainty, right? Like whatever the the market values, that's really uncertainty that's hard to measure. If we're able to measure it, then everyone will start buying a particular stock because we're all excited that that valuation is getting higher. And that room of uncertainty is where a lot of things like research, financial analysis actually comes in, trying to find ways to value that uncertainty and create some sort of measurement error. Like this would be an error bar if we're looking at a chart. An error bar basically just informs more sense into why a stock or why a company is valued at a particular amount. Interesting. That sounds an awful lot like um, when I'm talking with people in product, like the importance and the under and the impact research can have in the sense of you're working on something, you're trying to achieve a certain outcome, but you have a lot of uncertainty in terms of whether or not your approach is going to work. And so research helps you develop a lot more certainty and help you refine into a spot where it's going to more likely to be successful. Are those kind of the parallels that you see as well? 
Yes, exactly. And one way I often see research play a role in company valuation is the idea of liabilities. So understanding that liabilities can sometimes be unseen. And actually, this is a common thing that we see in accounting where in the idea of aggressive accounting, you would not necessarily report liabilities to make the valuation of a company look good for a particular quarter, but then the liabilities would eventually catch up over time. So in the expense of research and in, in, in the expense of good investment into UX or even other investments in the company, you might see these liabilities often catch up in your organization and that impacts evaluation. Interesting. So, so in this case, just to be super clear, liability is a bad thing. What, what's exactly is a liability in the financial sense? Explain it for someone who's a pretty new to this like me. Yeah, for sure. So liability in the most basic definition is debt. It could be debt that you accrue whenever you want your organization to grow. So you take in more leverage in, in form of debt or loans from a bank. So it could be a lot of these things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, a liability is some sort of debt that you have that is realized. Interesting. So generally speaking, lower liabilities are better. Yes, but it's not always as straightforward as that because sometimes it makes sense to utilize higher liabilities uh, at a given period of time whenever your return on assets is higher. So whenever you're a highly profitable company, a great example is Apple, actually, they accrued higher liabilities the past few years. And for, for those type of organizations, it may make sense if they can continue to produce positive profits. But there are also different types of liabilities that do not make as much sense that will eventually catch up to your organization and reduce valuation. And that's the fascinating thing about finance and the idea of measuring UX impact in finance, because it's never as straightforward as just measuring ROE. There's so many elements under it that interrelates with each other. Tell me if I, if I understand this correctly. So we have, um, it's almost like it's a math equation you're trying to optimize for, right? So the, the head honchos at the businesses that we work at you know, they're trying to increase the valuation of the business that makes their shareholders happy, that makes, you know, their bonuses happy. If the team has equity in the company, hopefully it makes the team happy. And so they're looking for ways to kind of optimize that. And basically, one of the things that research can do is there are many number of potential outcomes given different things, activities that you take on and you have to spend money on these activities. So research can, can give you uh, a better chance at achieving a better outcome here given a certain amount of uncertainty and, and, and whatnot. And this kind of, you know, if that all makes sense, this kind of reminds me, I don't know if you know the movie, The Big Short. Yes. Okay. My favorite movie. I've watched it like 50 times. It's so great. Um, but it reminds me a lot. I, I, looking back on this movie, you know, there's the, someone comes in and has uh, pitches this idea of shorting like these housing bond and mortgage bonds and whatnot. And the way they try and figure out if there's an actual problem in the market is they fly down to Florida and they check out some housing developments and they meet um, a particular dancer who has five houses and a condo all on debt and whatnot. And that's when they realize like, hey, there's a problem going on here. That's research, right? But it's looking at it through that financial lens. Exactly. And that's the thing that's so fascinating about financial valuation, because there's many different ways to do this. And if you're interested in this, I would look up smart beta. So smart beta is something that a lot of investment firms are paying attention to, namely BlackRock, and understanding what drives different stock valuation. And like an example could be the, company, the size of the firm. 
And one area that we could start looking at in terms of valuing a firm is research, the types of research investments that firm does. So trying to find ways to hedge and quantify uncertainty. I think that's really the next stage that research could be even more powerful and informative to a firm. It's it's funny because you know one of the things that I think uh, a lot most of us researchers are are focused on the qualitative stuff. That's where a lot of the rich insights are. But maybe this is also working against us a little bit because that's not the same language that the people who control the purse strings at the businesses that we work in they they speak a different language. And maybe we need to learn a little bit more about the numbers and and the math and how to again qu- I, there there must be something out there for like quantifying uncertainty or quantifying risk. You know, can we? And this is, I think, essentially the premise of your talk. Can we like speak to that? How much uncertainty did we knock off this quarter this year? Yeah, it is always difficult to quantify uncertainty, but it is much easier to try to make sense of the level of uncertainty that we would feel comfortable with. And that's the idea of the formula that I'll be sharing in this talk. It won't necessarily be quantifying the cost of uncertainty, but it's quantifying really like if we do not quantify or if we do not try to invest in understanding uncertainty, what is the cost of that? I think that's the question that we should focus on as researchers. That's really neat. You you must have learned this at your MBA. Is that right? Yes, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of researchers, I think, with MBAs. Um, you know, this is one of the beautiful parts of this profession is that there's so many different backgrounds and it's great for us for to be able to learn from each other. So maybe this is a, an, an important thing to pull on as well. What is the role of these just formulas in general? This kind of math feels like it's very, very powerful, especially at the at the top or at the heads of, of these institutions and organizations. You know, how do, how do these formulas? Um, and maybe you can give me one or two examples. How do they drive decisions in ways that we might not understand? You know, being in the individual contributor roles that a lot of us are in. That's a really great question, and to answer that. I want to encourage everyone to think about the role of the business. So ultimately, the role of a business, especially a business that is for profit, is to create profit and create growth. And those are the two most important financial metrics in terms of increasing a company valuation. We can do so in two ways. One, increasing sales and profits. And two, through accelerating growth over time that eventually do increase profits even further. And... The idea of this whole formula is to find ways where an investment in research or really an investment in other realms in the company accelerates both growth and profitability. Got it. Did you find when when you were like moving into a formal research role, when did when did this background in finance start to become really powerful for you? Is this really just as you started research or has this become more helpful for you as you've gotten more senior in your career? I would say that it's a combination of both, actually. Even when I was starting out in research, one thing that sets me apart from other ICs at that level was the fact that I tried to integrate these type of conversations when I'm talking about the impact of research to the leadership team. And when you're thinking about managing up and trying to advocate for the value of research, that's not just the responsibility of the director and the team. Sometimes you're in meetings where the director is not there, the team lead is not there, and you're on your own and you have to talk about how your particular finding will impact a particular product investment that maybe other people aren't so excited about. And if you can start talking about how that product investment will lead to increases in ROE, increases in growth and profitability, that's an extremely powerful conversation to have. Do you think this is the area that is 
most underdeveloped in terms of the core skill sets in research of like this angle here, because I feel like we've totally, we index very, very high on like understanding humans, you know, uh, being good partners, being good at relationships, that kind of thing. You know, maybe, maybe not enough on this. I would say it is, but I might be biased because it's an area that I'm extremely passionate about. But I would say it is, and it really gives your conversation, your organization, a unique edge, you know, to be able to talk this language, to be able to link what was previously thought as maybe more qualitative insights and quantify it in a way that it's impactful to the larger conversations that people have when we're thinking about whether to invest in a particular company whether to bring a particular company public, whether to acquire a particular company. Yeah, that's neat. I really got to ask you about this too, you know, and probably not going to get into this maybe in in your talk, but for those people who kind of understand that they maybe have a gap in their, you know, the, the fact that maybe it's just the organization they work in. And in that organization, people talk a lot about, you know, growth, 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 or a lot about increasing their profit margins. Where's a good place to start? If you're starting pretty close to square one and you, you're starting to realize, hey, like everybody else is speaking a different language. I got to learn that language too. What's the, and you did an MBA, but are there other things that um, are good starting points for developing your understanding of these areas? That's a really great question. One thing that I want to mention is even though I did an MBA, I don't think an MBA is necessary to understand these type of areas. Like there are plenty of resources online and I apologize to my professor, anyone is listening to this. I'm not trying to discount, you know, like the value of an MBA, but really all of these resources are available online. And the most basic thing is, I know we talked about the big short earlier, but one thing that made those individuals in the big short different from other managers of hedge funds is the fact that they read additional information that other people don't necessarily read. So the purpose of my talk is really to start a discourse about measuring the financial impact of UX investments. There's other ways we can measure the financial impact. There's different multiples that we can use. And one part of it is really understanding the basic formula that I'm going to share and finding ways to evolve it through looking at how, let's say, analysts values Apple as a company and critiquing the idea of like how analysts values these type of companies and finding ways to add our own measurement from, let's say, knowing that a particular company invests in UX a little bit more than others, integrating that into these different measurements and, and yeah, seeing, seeing how that changes over time. I think that's super neat. I'm incredibly excited to hear you talk uh, this year. I think it's, it's long overdue and I hope that, um, you know, being a long-time researcher, I'm all about making sure that we're finding alternate routes to gather more influence because uh, I think we have an important role to play in the organizations that we work in. And being able to speak this language and being able to to leverage these tools that you're going to share, I think could really go a long way. So I'm super pumped. I'm really glad you're going to be joining us. For everyone else, I hope you're going to be joining us as well, either online or in person. Thanks for joining us today, Claudia. Thanks so much, Alec. Excited to see everyone either online or in person in the summer. Awesome. So as Claudia mentioned, yes, you can join us in person again this year for the first time in multiple years. We're so excited to see you. There's a a limited number of tickets available for our in-person event in New York City in Brooklyn, New York. Wonderful venue. It's called 99 Scott. It's really, really cool. Lots of great events happen there, music stuff, and now tech conferences. Woohoo! If you can't join us in person, though, you can grab a virtual ticket that will give you access to all the content live as it's being live streamed, just as you'd be able to see in person. And that is completely free. 
So if you don't have budget through your work, definitely take advantage of that. We're so excited to have you. It's going to be fun. You're going to make some friends and we're going to have a great time together. I will see you all there. That's right. June 6th and 7th, 2022, UXR Conf. See you there.